Welcome to Interparty Conflict, the podcast where we answer your questions so you can have the best tabletop gaming experience possible. My name is Gabe. My name is Jeff. And we have a very special guest with us today, Gary Butterfield from the Duckfeed TV Podcast Network. Hi. Hey, guys. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for joining us today, Gary. Oh, no problem. Um, I... I can't remember how many, if, if I have ever mentioned you, I, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned you guys at least some point on the show, but I've been listening to you guys for years. Um, I started pos- podcasting. I started getting into podcasting because I heard about you guys from from Twin Humanities. Oh, okay. Because I was looking for a Dark Souls podcast. I found out about Twin Humanities and then they mentioned you guys and I was like, oh, Bonfire Side Chat, that sounds really cool. So I started listening to you. Then I found out about your other shows. And I, at the time I had wanted to make a podcast but I didn't really know if I had like a good topic. I didn't come up with a good topic for a long time. But I also, I've never liked the sound of my voice. <laughs> and uh, not to say that you or your co-host Cole have bad voices. I think you guys have great voices. But a lot of the things that I don't like about my own voice, I noticed in the way that you guys speak. And I was like, oh, but but it doesn't sound bad when they do it. Oh. Maybe it doesn't sound bad when I do it too. So yeah. <laughs> uh, so that gave me the little push. Yeah, know. thanks. Yeah, the, I, I think it's one of those things that uh, just through exposure, right? It's almost literally exposure therapy. Yeah. Because if you start podcasting, you listen to your own voice all the time. <laughs> right. Uh, now I, I don't even really hear it. Sure, like sure. It, it, it you know, no longer bugs me. And the uh, it's also it's also one of those things, your voice is just something that you're you're kind of born with. And you can change your, your vocal tics, but the kind of general quality and tenor yeah. You know, of your voice is one of those things that just, just natural. You have to get used to it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I, it's like how, how wide your shoulders are, how tall you're going to be, things like that. Sure, sure. I, I think you're overestimating my ability to uh, to change my vocal tics, however. <laughs> oh, the, 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 yeah. I, I, you know, early on, um, we we made more of an attempt to do that kind of thing. And at some point, I was just like, we're, we're making a worse show because I am constantly thinking about everything I say. Sure. As opposed to, uh, you know, just being a little bit more naturalistic and, and off the cuff. And I think that even when I listen to podcasts, I, I tend to, you know, those, those vocal tics, things that people, people do, I come to appreciate those things. Okay. Sure. Um, you know, I, I kind of like a, like an individual character and a voice and just, uh, uh, you know, as opposed to, um, you know, every, and it, you know, forgive me if this is this is the way that you guys do. This is not. I'm not subtweeting you to your face, which I guess would just be tweeting you, but with my sure, voice. Sure. Um, the uh, but I like, think that's uh, like called a conversation. It, yeah, that's <laughs> called a conversation. Well, it's like if, if, when it's um like if, if those podcasts that just sound like Aaron Sorkin, okay, dialogue. Like you know, there's there's no space between any words, and uh, everyone speaks perfectly all the time. Yeah, yeah. That can be hard. You know, sometimes <laughs> those pauses are really, uh, I think, really necessary. Yeah. When when we first started doing our podcast, I. I would I would go through every episode and I would like every single little gap between words that was just a little bit too long. I would like I would like trim it down a little bit and I I would spend a lot more time than I do now. And nowadays I do try to make it a lot more natural. Just just let it go and then if if like one of us stumbles over a word a lot, then I'll cut it out or something. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we, we we do that too. I, I've come to really like my um because and you probably have a similar experience since I've edited myself speaking so much i can recognize certain words in, in waveform sure so so i know the shape of me saying um and i'm gonna get it as a tattoo i think that <laughs> like, like that's a nice like podcast like it, it kind of is a, a dedication or what have you to this part of my life sure mm-hmm. yeah and it's 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 an empty symbol sure you know it's it's a space filler word and that's kind of appealing to me mm-hmm. yeah as a thing and it, it's my secondary idea originally i was gonna get uh um and uh tattooed on my knuckles <laughs> like um <laughs> dot dot uh and i thought that was like really funny because it, it sounds so macho and just like i'm not you know i'm gonna mess you up and then just like um uh <laughs> right you know, uh, but th- this will this will hurt less yeah <laughs> that's why i went with that 
Well, uh, so so once again, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just um, it's it's a rainy day in Portland, Oregon. I I just got back from the arcade. Oh, awesome! Uh, cool. Because you guys are doing an arcade yeah. episode uh, pretty soon. We are. Yeah, I just was scouting. I didn't uh, I didn't actually go there and like master my games, but I went to one of the two uh, local good arcades and saw what games I might want to do. That's really cool. Uh, Jeff, Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm not too bad. Uh, just enjoying enjoying the the good weather. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We live we live in Michigan, Gary, and uh, it's been unseasonably cold for quite a while. And I mean, you say unseasonably, but well, but it is Michigan. It's I, just I guess <laughs> there. It's just been very cold and rainy, and uh, yeah. it's it's finally cleared up a little bit. Yeah, it's just 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 now starting to be consistently warm and not like. It, although it might snow again soon yeah who knows i don't know who who knows it's ridiculous but not not too bad yeah uh cool well um you guys want to go ahead and uh get into the episode sure yeah all right um shoot i did not come up with the dragon's horde intro um <laughs> this is tradition this is this is tradition okay uh so gary i want you to imagine that you and jeff are going through a dungeon and you I heard... was already imagining that okay <laughs> Is that is that a knock at the quality of our podcast? No, no, it's 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 just how I I interface with the world. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot like mazes and monsters, but it's just me and me, and uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a real nightmare. Should, this podcast ends with me torturing a homeless guy like mazes and monsters. Oh no, so. should be a motivational poster that says "Every day is a dungeon." There you yeah. go. <laughs> All right, uh, so you guys are, are are traveling through a dungeon, and you you're following an old map. However, you notice that the map is uh it's burnt on one side and you realize that the section of the the dungeon that you just got to is in that burnt section that is not there anymore so gary if you can do you do you have a, a die or a rolling application handy <laughs> i do i'm actually going to pull my dice out of my custom uh jolly prendas listener to duck feed and host on the level made me a made us a monster my podcast dice bags Ooh, nice. awesome if you can uh, if you have a link cool. to that if you want to send it to me i'll put it in the show notes Oh yeah, I can take a picture. Sure. Uh, I don't know if she if she put them up. They, like she had them made. So okay. Um, yeah, and let me uh, let me go ahead and roll here. Sure. Yeah. So go ahead and roll roll a uh, wisdom check. I don't know. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, natural twenty. I'm not lying. Whoa. Okay. Killed it. Yeah. Yep. So you you get an idea of how this this dungeon is laid out. So you you follow a path that is not on the map, and pretty soon you see up ahead. You see a glint of gold and silver off in the distance. Mm. As you two get closer, it appears that you have found the dragon's hoard. Well, that went pretty smoothly. (laughs) (laughs) My intro is sometimes it's like something like that. Sometimes it's like, uh, hey, Jeff. You found you it. found the dragon sword. Other right. times it's some like weirdly contrived. Okay, so you're at the uh, you're at the 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 grocery store, and then while there, you slip on something, and then you wake up, and the whole world has just has disappeared. And then uh, you found the dragon sword. I don't know. I keep making them more and more elaborate, and I I hate it every time because it means that the next one is going to have to be even more elaborate. And right. So, on. so we're trying to like cut them down. A I, little I bit. guess. Yeah. Uh, Eventually, okay. it'll be a spinoff. <laughs> you actually have to do the, do the game that it's based on with all of the things in canon. Oh, that's a good oh, idea. Yeah, we should make a board game. We should make a board. Yeah. Dragon's board. Yeah, <laughs> the oh, dragon's hey. board. I'm I I'm think, pretty sure we've used that yeah, pun I think at so. one point. <laughs> uh, okay, so our dragon's horde item for today was submitted by listener Sean, and the item is the poison scale armor. Cool. 
Uh, he says that this armor can be made an appropriate type to whatever PC is going to be getting it. So you can make it uh, full play, you can make it a breastplate, you can make it leather armor, whatever. But this armor was specially crafted from the scales of a particularly masochistic poisonous dragon who willingly shed a few old scales and leathery skin for the purpose of watching others suffer. While wearing this armor, remove one hit point per hit die from the maximum HP of the PC wearing it, and one per hit die earned thereafter. The armor itself has teeth biting into the wearer. This armor grants the wearer a 25% mischance against poisons used on them in any way. The suit of armor also grants a plus two resistance bonus on saving throws against poison, and should the wearer become poisoned, they are nauseated for each round of effect as they are made to vomit out the poison. Yeah. But the overall maximum duration of the poison is halved, rounded to the extra round of, to the nearest extra round of poisonous effect. So this item, there's there's a lot of strange mechanics, especially mm. like some of this stuff uh, doesn't necessarily exist in, in the most recent edition of, of D&D or uh, whatever game people might be playing. But it, uh, I think it's an interesting idea. It's yeah. basically like poisoned armor that kind of bites you when you're wearing it. Right. Um, I, I like how it makes you more resistant to poison, but while you are poisoned, you are forced to vomit it out. So, like, <laughs> the, the consequences of the poison are worse while it's going on. Sure. Oh, yeah. like th That immediately makes me think of, like, a uh, as opposed to a dungeon situation, like a social situation. You <laughs> sure. Know, like, you are, you are at a ballroom. You know, you're at a feast for your honor because you you rescued the princess or what have you. And, uh, you know, somebody tries to poison the, the regent. And uh, oh. and you 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 taste you know you you take that bullet and you, you know you're in an awkward situation where where decorum is kind of the order <laughs> of the day but you're wearing your armor under your doublet and sure. uh, are immediately forced to uh, to vomit in front of you know the duke and <laughs> right. his vassals yep but I just saved your life <laughs> yeah just the uh, yeah that's interesting that's an interesting item I, the way that um in the notes the way I read it I thought that it sapped your your HP continuously and I was just like. That's what poison does. Oh, like, gotcha. It seems like, yeah, it's like, oh, that's, this just poisons you. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I, and I, I was, was like, yeah, I was trying to, to, to summarize what the, the like removal of HP effect is without, uh, re without writing up the whole thing. But, oh, of uh, course. Yeah. I, I don't mean that as a critical thing. I think that what I mean is just that, um, this is much more interesting than I initially thought. Sure. Like, I think this sure. is like, you know, I, I like, uh, I really like magic items that have uh, an upside and a downside yeah. to them like that. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of, a lot of items submitted for this show that, uh, that a lot of them, I say, I would say would more, more be thought of as, as cursed items yeah. in most campaigns, mm -hmm. because like they'll, they'll let you do something cool, but then often they have, they have some sort of a weird side effect that uh, might make the item far more dangerous than, than the benefit. Yeah. There was one item that I think was like when you wake up there might be like a mirror version of yourself that tries to kill you or something. Am I, am I remembering that right, that, Jeff? That's so, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we've gotten lots of, lots of interesting items and yeah. Yeah. So this is one that it's got a, I would say a pretty significant benefit, but also pretty significant drawback as well. Yeah. I, 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 I love the, the vomiting thing. I, don't, I think it's great. <laughs> yeah. It just like, like when it's a downsided, but it's not like, it's not necessarily directly mechanical, but it, but like, you know, like, like with the social thing, it's like, it's, it, it's something that will come up in the story, not necessarily like in combat. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. So, so, vomiting is not, I mean, nausea is mechanical in certain editions of, of role-playing games, but it doesn't have to be. Right. Sure. Sure. Um, it almost and makes this you, is also saying, or please go ahead. Sorry. I was just gonna say, it almost makes me wonder if a player could make uh, an attack out of the vomit. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> 
if you're vomiting up the poison. Yes. May oh yeah, yeah. like yeah. you have a poison breath weapon now. Uh, that's yeah, that's one way to think of it. <laughs> well, one of the things I was thinking about with it is that it is um, it is very useful, but it's also very conditional. It kind of depends on how much poison sure. is going to show up. So sure. if, if it's not literally cursed, if you could take it off at any time, you know, there's no downside. Like you want this if you're going into a poison heavy zone. Mm -hmm. um, if it's cursed, if it is something you have to keep on, I think it almost could use a little wrinkle. You okay. know, because I, I don't, uh, this could be more, this is subjective. This could be more my experience, but poison doesn't show up with, you know, a lot of frequency in, in games that I've played. Mm -hmm. Um, it's usually, you know, we go into the deep jungle or, or there'll be a specific kind of boss encounter that is poison based, but it's not something I run into uh, on the daily. Uh, so, so having something like that, you having that kind of poison breath weapon kind of thing. And that, that is a really interesting, um, you know, if you, if you wanted to work that in, it's an interesting character kind of thing because you're still, you know, you're still nauseated. You still have this disadvantage to mm -hmm. doing it. You just, it's even more layers of, of pluses and minuses there. Sure. Uh, I, I meant to ask earlier, uh, what, um, what gaming experience do you have? Like what's, what's your, your game of choice? Um, have you, what, what editions of D and D have you played? What other games have you played? If, if you can, uh, if you feel like sharing. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, so uh, growing up, um, it was all D&D uh, &D second edition and Shadowrun second edition. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was my teenage years. Uh, and then I took a, a long break. Um, I just, you know, I, I think this is probably pretty common. I did something similar with video games where I just had a few years where I just didn't, you know, there's no judgment in my heart. I just didn't play very often. Sure. And uh, and got back into both um, around the time Shadowrun fourth edition uh, came out. Okay. And D&D uh, 3.5 uh, fourth edition. Right in there. So I played um, D and D two, three point five, four, and uh, the new one, the, the, with fifth edition. Even though it's not quite called that. Sure. Um, and then, uh, but in in our our kind of we've moved away from that in our group. Um, in our group, we play a uh, right now we're doing an Iron Kingdoms game. Okay. I've never never played that. It's it's very solid. It's very tactical. Okay. Uh, because it's it's kind of in the War Machines universe. Sure. A little bit, or in the universe of products, I guess. I don't know what the lore is. Um, but it is, uh, it's very tactical, but that it's really well designed. It's like airtight, you know, mechanic wise. Okay. And, um, yeah, so we're, we're doing a custom game there. We just played, uh, me and another guy in our group, we take turns GMing. So he's GMing that. Um, after, before that, I GMed a game of, uh, Blades in the Dark. Okay. I've um, never heard of that one either. It is, uh, it is the same guys who do Fate. Um, and it is a more mechanically robust, um, it doesn't even really feel like fate. It's, it's still got heavy narrative elements, but it's a lot more crunchy Okay. than fate. Um, so we kind of, yeah, we go back and forth. Okay. I've never played fate, but I've like, I've heard a lot about it. I've listened to a couple, a couple actual play podcasts that do it. And one criticism I have heard about it is that it's like, it's not a lot of people think it's not quite mechanically, uh, it's, it's not quite mechanical enough. So that, that sounds interesting that there would be one that is, is a little bit more mechanical made by the same people. It's it reminds it's about on the same level of mechanics to narrative uh, balance as Dungeon World is I think okay um, which if you if you play that and I don't I don't actually like Fate I thought I would I listened to a lot of podcasts where people talked it up and uh, and bought the book but it is uh, it's so narrative based that any you know c classes are not mechanically differentiated oh I see um, significantly enough for me like there aren't really classes but I mean the abilities or different characters don't feel different enough to me they have to be different purely through description mm -hmm. almost mm -hmm. and uh, i i just kind of find that to be a bummer like i like getting new toys i like getting unique powers yeah yeah um yep. you know I, that, that feels good okay um personally we uh i started playing in third edition although i grew up with the gold box game so i've played a little bit of i mean in, in computer form i played a little bit of second edition so like i know what thaco is not that i understand how it works <laughs> yeah. um no. 
And then, uh, and Jeff, did you play second edition? I did play second. I played, yeah, uh, I played AD and D. Okay. Okay. And then, um, he, Jeff and I started playing in during 3.5, I think, um, we, we went to high school together. And so like we played 3.5, that that's probably what we both have the most experience with. Yeah, absolutely. And then when fourth edition came out, I really liked fourth edition, although, I think that it was not what most people were looking for in D&D. I really loved the tactical aspect of it. I think mm-hmm. that combat in 4th edition is like the best combat I've ever played. But I understand it was not it, it was not what a lot of people liked and I I don't like it for the same reasons I like 3rd edition or 5th edition. With 5th edition, I really I do think 5th edition overall is probably the best edition out so far. Um but uh I'm 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 interested to see where it goes and whether whether it gets the same amount of power creep as uh, previous editions did. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Most of the questions that we get on this podcast are for fifth edition when, when the mm-hmm. rules are part of the question, but uh, a lot of, most of our questions are, are pretty, pretty rules agnostic. I would say. Rules agnostic. I, I think that that's actually like a, an interesting, that's kind of a philosophy I take towards all tabletop gaming mm-hmm. is to be semi rules agnostic. And I think you get a lot from that. Yeah. You know, like, uh, it doesn't mean throw out the rules. Like, I, sure, I appreciate sure. the rules. But, like, there are things from, even when we've we've played, um, we played Pathfinder or we played 5th uh, Edition, there are things from 4th Edition that we would take with us okay. because they were the good the good parts of it. So, like, minions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love characters. minions. I think, yeah, I think that's great. I think it's a good idea. You, you, get, you get a scale of combat that you don't get otherwise. Um, that, the, you know, that's not in later editions. I think that's very useful. Um, and like, even going back to like second edition, which is what I started with. And I think that's a, a really hard edition to actually play. Yeah. Um, there's so much kind of fluff and setting stuff from when TSR just had infinite money <laughs> sure. in, in the nineties sure. yeah. that, uh, you, the richest, like the, you know, my favorite D and D settings and, and, and stuff like that came from there, you know, so you can, you can pick up, it's not that hard to adapt dark sun or planescape or something like that to fifth edition, like mm-hmm. read those source books, get all of the flavor. Yeah, you know, and then just uh, just kind of kind of wing it, you know, and, <laughs> sure, and I think that, sure. that's a that's a good way to treat D and D as a, as like the whole of D and D as opposed to like we are playing fifth edition. This is this is fifth edition. Yeah, you I, can t- you can borrow a lot. Sure, I think just a couple of weeks ago we had a question from a listener that was uh, it was how do you how do you convert an older edition to fifth edition? And it was basically like take all the flavor, but just you're going to be rebuilding yes. all the encounters. So just just build the encounters however you want. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, like really think about the item or think about the encounter or think about the town or, or setting and, uh, determine like the essence of it. Yeah. Like, like what, what is the what spirit role of this? What is the purpose? Yes. And then just, you know, and make something that accomplishes that purpose. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty in line with, uh, with, with what we said. Yep. Um, I, I just realized we, we're still doing the dragon's horde, or at least we were. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a dragon right over there. It's, it's, it's it still, right. it's still hanging so, out. <laughs> yes. So I, I think that'll do it for the, for the dragon's horde. I'll, I probably will have cut out the music, uh, before now, but, uh, <laughs> um, so Jeff, if somebody wanted to submit items for the dragon's horde, or if they want to send us questions to discuss or stories for the funeral pyre, how would they get those to us? They can send us an email at interpartyconflict at gmail.com. Yes. And Gary, I'm sorry. I meant to do this right at the beginning, but would you like to tell our listeners about yourself, about, uh, the show? you do about your network anything going on oh sure i mean just so, so people who are listening um you know i'm gary butterfield i'm from duckfeed.tv which is an independent podcasting network that primarily covers video games but we've been branching out for for a time mm-hmm. um the the flagship show is watch out for fireballs which is a games club podcast yeah uh but we have a bunch of other shows on the network and uh yeah we'd love it if you're, if you're listening come uh come check us out give yeah. it give it a chance and i'll, I'll um, put i think 
sorry, I'll put links to, to as many of your shows as I as I can in our show notes. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you can also just do just do the duckfeed.tv and then people can navigate from there as well. Just so sure. we, I don't there's not 70 links or something because we, <laughs> I guess. we have we're outrageous. Um, <laughs> the, uh, a good place to start for people who are into D&D and into tabletop stuff, I think, is probably the, the Neverwinter Night 2 stuff we did last year. Yeah, that was um, good. I, I've never played Neverwinter Nights 2. I've only played the first one, but I still listen to all of uh, all of your coverage on uh, on WAF because it it was it was just really cool to listen to because it's basically just talking about a D&D campaign. Yeah. Yeah, it was really fun to do something actually within the D&D wheelhouse specifically. I have a, a lot of affection for D&D-based video games. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the batting average is like well above average uh, for yep. those. And uh, Neverwinter Nights 2 like, is not a game that's perfect, you know, so I think those are good episodes to start with because it kind of takes the – you don't have to set through the, the many, many hours of it. Sure, it's, sure. It's kind of archaic. You know, it, it holds up way worse than, than like Baldur's Gate does or something like that. Mm-hmm. And also you guys have uh, Monster in My Podcast – which you guys oh, have yeah. been going oh, yeah. through the second edition monster manual and then Shadowrun. Yes, yeah, we're currently working on the paranormals of paranormal animals of uh, North America Shadowrun second edition book. Uh, but previous to this, we went entry by entry through the entire second edition monstrous manual uh, for like five to ten minute episodes, mm-hmm. and that is a, a really, I think, a really fun mix of kind of um, goofs and adventure hook stuff. Uh, so if there, if it's a little bit of both, it's a little bit serious, a little bit goofy, um, and also I love that book. You know, out, out of all the books, like I, I collect yeah. monster manuals from different games. Okay. And uh, at, at the time when I was when I was young, that was the D and D book that I definitely spent the most time just reading over and over and over. Sure. Um, yeah. I would I would probably say the book I read I spent the most time reading was either either Deities and Demigods or Manual of the Plains in Third Edition. I those just are, I loved those books. Mm-hmm. Those are both great. Yeah. Yeah. Like any kind of encyclopedia format, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. D and D book I am so there for. Do Do you guys know those um those Second Edition? Uh, I've got the those like pleather bound books of magic items and artifacts. I don't think so. Were they made by Wizards of the Coast or? It's 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 TSR. It's it's their second edition. Oh, oh, stuff, I see. So oh right, bit... right. Um, I no, I don't think I do. They're real good. There's four volumes. Um, and it's every it's all from all the supplemental stuff. So all the Dragon Magazine. Oh, okay. Uh, jazz. Gotcha. Those are very fun and good. So yeah, I've got a set of those, and I've got only one of there's one. They did one for wizard spells and one for priest spells as well, but those are much rarer. And I've only found one of the the volumes for wizard spells. Gotcha. So. Huh. Okay. Um. Yeah. So so those are um. Everybody check out uh, duckfeed.tv. And uh, yeah, um. I also want to, if I could, I want to mention the other podcast on our network. There is Crit Academy, which is a great podcast where the hosts they create new and reusable content for listeners and DMs alike. Um, I was on an episode of their show a few weeks ago, so check them out. We also have uh, D&D Character Lab, where the two hosts make characters and then pit them against each other and debate which one is better. So they are a very fun podcast. Yeah. Oh, that sounds, yeah, that sounds super fun. Yeah, I know. Like, when I first listened to them, I was like, how has nobody made a podcast like this before? <laughs> this is perfect. Yeah, they, they have their own, like, scoring system and everything that they go, they'll they'll go through and give each other ratings on the, each other's character, and then they kind of take the average and yeah. or take the total points and everything and put them against each other. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Um, That's pretty yeah. fun. So, uh, so check them out. Also, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. We've got uh, a few tiers on there. We just, Jeff and I just finished recording uh, next month's uh, patron-only bonus episodes, so our listeners can check those out. And also, Gary, you guys do have a Patreon as well, patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. We do. Yeah. We're entirely listener-supported, so. Yeah. And you guys are actually... Uh, yeah. You guys are actually the first first Patreon I ever donated to, so I, I guess I guess much. thumbs up. I, I don't know why I'm congratulating you on that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we 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 suckered you in. Yeah, no, thank you. I, we really appreciate that. Like it it has been a, a literal life changing thing because we yeah. both of us do this 
now for our jobs. Like we both make, you know, kind of odd money from, from here and there, mm-hmm. uh, in addition to that, but this is our primary sources of income. And, yeah. Uh, it's a real, it's a real dream job. Like I, I do my best to try to tamp down any, you know, my urge to complain or my urge to, you know, cause I, I'm extremely lucky. Sure. Sure. Uh, to be able to do that. On one hand, I feel like, oh man, that'd be so cool. But then on the other hand, I know that when I don't have a physical place to go to, I don't get work done. So that, <laughs> that would not work for me. <laughs> it takes a lot. Yeah. Like it, it, it is an adjustment because I, I will have a, uh, it is very easy to, uh, even when it's a video game thing, like I'm, I'm playing Bayonetta for the show now and mm-hmm. I'm enjoying it. But at the same time, I could also just be playing like Enter the Gungeon or something like yeah, yeah. pick up and play. And it, it's always a, the siren call of, of goofing off. Sure, sure. <laughs> playing different video games. Like this video game is goofing off. This video game is serious work. <laughs> right. right. They're both just next to each other. <laughs> I'm like, it's like it's like showing a dog a mirror or something. I just feel very confused by it. And it's, <laughs> I'm still adjusting, and it's it's been you know it's been a year. So yeah, um, I I used to at my local. My wife's a librarian at a local library, and I used to do these little uh, once a month. I would do like a little pre- little nerd night presentation about some sort of nerdy topics. So like I did one about D and D. I did one about this other TSR made fantasy game. Um, I did one about Dark Souls, the first just the first Dark Souls game. And although I love Dark Souls, it's my favorite game. But having to do the work to like, I had to get screenshots from the game for, for things I was going to talk about. I had to like go through so that I could, you know, get different. And so I had to go through the game twice to get like different endings so I could show what those were. And I like have not wanted to play Dark Souls since then, not in, in earnest, even though I love Dark Souls, just because it, it went from being fun to being work. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I imagine you have that all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's still it's still I have a lot of fun. Like mm-hmm. it, it is, uh, it is still fun, but it is, um, you know, it does change things. Yeah. You know, a little bit. Uh, luckily the shows are, are, are fun. Like if I, if we weren't having fun doing the shows, then that would be a totally different thing. Sure. Sure. You know, but it's, it's super fun to record. So it's something I look forward to. Cool. Um, then before we get to questions, I, there's one more thing that I wanted to do and we have a giveaway this week, like we do every week. So today we have an adventure called Chapel on the Cliffs created by the company Goblinstone. So uh, we have a giveaway, and that giveaway is going to Sean M. Whoa, 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 winner. Gobble, gobble, gobble. So he's actually, um, I don't know why I didn't lead with this. He's the one who submitted the the item that we covered oh. earlier. So this is actually two weeks in a row, the, the random drawing has ended up being the same person that submitted the uh the the dragon's heart item yeah so, so I, I i swear this is not intentional <laughs> so listeners yeah. take that as an example of how there we don't have a ton of people in either pool so if you want to submit items there's a very high chance of them being end up on the show and if you want to submit uh, a a uh, if you want to enter our drawing there's a very high chance you'll win as well. Yeah. And if somebody wanted to enter that drawing jeff how would they do so? They can send us an email at interpartyconflict@gmail.com. With the subject line, Chapel on the Cliffs. Yes, it's that easy. Um, okay, you guys want to go ahead and get into some questions? Sure. Cool. All right, our first question comes from Damien. This is through email. And they ask, how can I make travel more interesting? Yeah, so this is from Damien from the Adventures in Aurelia podcast. So uh, listeners, check them out. I actually, I won a a giveaway. I, I, I won a drawing that they did because I submitted a, a review a while back. And they actually sent us a box. Jeff and I recorded us opening the box in case there was interesting stuff inside. I'll we, probably include that on a, on a future episode. Yes, we did an audio-only unboxing video. <laughs> yes. It was very great. It was a lot of fun. Uh, so, yes. Um, the, the I have sort of like a, a simple answer for this and a, a more complex answer. And I would say the simpler answer I can give is plan stuff out. 
You know, yeah. if, if when you're traveling, if you're just kind of like, okay, guys, you're traveling for four days, go. I think that there's there's probably not going to be a lot that comes from that. Maybe you are blessed with character with players that are like, you know, talking amongst themselves in character and, yeah, and making who, up business for themselves. Yeah, players that can fill time by themselves. Right, right. But oh. if if you have events planned out, and it doesn't even have to be like a structured thing, it can just be like, oh, on day one they encounter a merchant. On day two they uh, come across a farmstead that's on fire or something. Something if you have something planned to happen, the travel is going to be more interesting. Sure, yeah, and the, not relying on um, like random encounters too much. And if mm-hmm. you're if you're going to use random encounter roll for random encounters, maybe kind of do like a vetting process where you can pick out which encounters you know like take take out the ones that you don't think will fit and you know keep the ones that you think would fit yeah so if you want some randomness in there you can you can still have it sure because if if you roll and you're like oh okay the dice say there's gonna be a random counter if you then pull out the book and you're like hmm let's look at some monsters that's just gonna use up time so like if you can't if you are gonna have a combat encounter plan out possible groups of monsters ahead of time to save time at the Mm -hmm. table and random encounters don't have to be combat either oh yeah yeah, I, I think making the making a fight when you're traveling is kind of a bad value proposition because even in when it's quicker in games, unless it's extremely quick, unless that's the point of the game, it just takes so long. Mm, you it know, does, and, yeah. You don't, you, you know, you don't want to, you want to get somewhere. Um, you know, you don't necessarily want to just have an inconsequential, inconsequential fight mm-hmm. there. So I, I think that like definitely you guys are right. Like as far as uh, if you're doing a table, customize it. Plan in advance is better than a table, even I think. Um, I also think that you can do, uh, and this is kind of inspired by by video games or something. And and I haven't done this, but one of the things I was thinking about in looking at this question is um, having something that is kind of close to like a choose your own adventure, okay, uh, thing. So maybe you read a paragraph that describes an encounter, and there are really just two outcomes. Like it's not really a role playing thing; it's just kind of this little thing that can happen. You know, like you run into a merchant who uh, says that you know he his caravan was attacked; he needs help. You know, you do this, you, you get kind of an odd feeling, but he could be stressed. And you come up with uh, two different, you know, do you do you help or not? Make it a just a binary choice or two or three choices. And then just narrate something that happens. Okay. Uh, and, and the way I would want to do it, the way I think is the coolest way to do it, is have there be some kind of benefit no matter what. Like sure. something very minor. Like you, uh, you know, the, the merchant uh, thanks you. So like next time you're in town, like you can get like a one-time discount on an item that's like 10%. Yeah. Or the merchant screws you over and you can use that anger and you can, uh, you know, for the, the first round of combat, you get this kind of bonus on your, your armor class or you get a, a plus one to hit on the first round of combat. Something slight. Sure. But it feels like you're always getting something cool and it just makes that a storied trip. Like, oh, that's the trip where we ran into the, uh, the griffin, the polymorphed wizard who is a griffin, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and we, we, you know, we didn't trust him. And later, you know, he showed up furious and that meant that when we got to that town, we had a slightly rep- worse reputation or a, a reputation for being tough. You know, something that, that feels like not bad, like you're not making the wrong choice. But it gives like a story to that that trip, but you don't get bogged down in like a fight. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's a great idea. Um, I love the idea of just making sure that whatever happens, there is some sort of benefit, whether it's um, they did the right thing or they did the quote unquote wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we did an episode a long time ago where we we were asked a question like, "How do you deal with travel?" And my answer was, "I just gloss over it because, like you were saying, Gary, like you, uh, it's it you don't really want to bog it down. You don't you want it to to get to the adventure." And so when um, when I'm when I'm running a game and there's going to be travel, I generally don't even bother rolling for random encounters. I just say, okay, four days later you arrive, unless I do have something specific I want 
to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've played in plenty of groups where we spend three whole sessions just doing random encounters on the way to our destination. And then it, it's just like, what are we even playing for? Like, I, I, I'm not here to play random encounters the game. I want to get to the dungeon. I want to fight a dragon or something. <laughs> but you got to grind for those levels, Gabe. I mean, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it, it can be kind of fun to go real old school with it if that's the flavor sure. you're doing. But that doesn't feel sustainable to me. Like, I, I like playing, you know, we're going to do a mini series that is extremely old school, like just a dungeon crawl with random encounters. Um, that kind of sounds fun to me, but I just feel like game design has moved. That's that's very far beyond that, mm-hmm. you know. And and as as uh, you know, that that's decidedly old school. And there's an appeal to that, but you don't have to be so like quite so dogmatic if you don't want to be. Like if your group likes that, that's great. But if the group doesn't like it, you know, if that's not what they're looking for, there's really no reason to stick to it just because it says so in the book. Yeah, yeah. and I like I like the yeah the choose your own adventure sort of thing because even if it is just a more more typical encounters, I I, I have have it in a way that the players can choose to go around it like sure. an easy way out. Mm-hmm. So if they just want to get to the adventure, it's not like, okay, you're, you're traveling and you get attacked by trolls and okay, now we have to deal with these trolls and that's going to be a long battle. I w- you know, it's like, you know, it's going to be hard to run away and that sort of thing. So if it's yeah. like, you're like, you, you come across signs of a troll, you know, oh, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's going to be like, okay, do we want to deal with the troll or do we want to just keep moving on? You know, like have, have at least a way, a way out so you don't get so if the players want to get bogged down with that stuff they can yeah but if they don't and, they can just kind of keep going and you can make skipping it consequential like even if it's not necessarily a benefit you can i think that the um a good kind of rule of thumb for like all of tabletop gaming is like you know make things interesting yeah like so that you know seeing that sign of a troll like maybe they see signs of a troll if the players you know you put that bait down if the players say okay we have to make this forest safe this is what we want to do mm-hmm. uh then they can do it if they decide and then you can have that encounter because the players want you know they want to fight some trolls it sounds cool to them if they don't want to you can say like you know when they get to town like the the blacksmith is uh to you know is mourning because his his daughter was kidnapped oh yeah. you know and then just like you know see if they just like leave things and see if they pick up on it like i don't do you know a totally improvised gm style like i usually have notes sure but i think like lying any like travel anything like that any downtime is an opportunity to lay down hooks th- for things you haven't planned and just see if people take it Sure. You know, and then if they're, they, you know, oh, well, we need to rescue that daughter, you know, maybe the thing that they came to town was more pressing, but then you have something for after that. Okay. Or, yeah. or they choose not to, and there's consequences for it. You know, it's an interesting consequence. Like, you know, ever all the equipment has to come from the, the leather worker Fletcher, you know, in town. Yeah. Whose daughter's doing just fine. You know, okay. so. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's making bows like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I mentioned earlier that I had a, like, a shorter answer and a longer answer. The longer answer that I had... um is kind of it's it's an extension of of just plan stuff out for travel but it it's kind of it's, the idea is plan out your travel like you would plan out a dungeon if that makes any sense. Mm. Uh Gary, are you familiar with the five room dungeon? Uh no. It uh-huh. is it's just kind of like a little a little guideline like a little framework that somebody made where anytime you make a dungeon it doesn't have to exactly correlate to like one room is this, one room is this, and so on. But you want to have five stages of the dungeon. And the first stage is an entrance with a guardian, whether that is an entrance with like a, an ogre standing outside you have to kill, or if it's a puzzle you have to get in, or if it's just like a pit you have to jump over or something. So the, an entrance with a guardian is room one. A puzzle or role-playing challenge is room two. Number three is a trick or setback. So like a red herring or something that... Uh, makes the future harder depending on how the players deal with it. 
Four is the big climax, so the big big battle or whatever or whatever it is the players came for. And then number five is the uh, reward or revelation. And so that is after you've finished the, the big encounter, you then have either treasure or you find out something that is going to lead into the next adventure. So in, in a way, I feel like you could use this to, uh, you could use this to kind of be the framework for traveling. Sure. You could set up the beginning of your travel is going to be, okay, the players have to get onto the the road, which is going to, there's going to be a toll involved, or there's going to be some bandits that are demanding a toll or something. The players have to get past them. After that, they're traveling. Maybe the road splits and they, the map doesn't say there's going to be a split. So they have to decide amongst themselves or make skill checks in order to decide which, which way to go. Then for trick or setback, maybe they find out the way they went was the right way. And then they have to go back and, and go the right way. Or maybe they found out the map that they're using is, is they were, it was upside down or something. <laughs> and then the big climax, maybe they get to their destination or they can see their destination. But then the revelation is they realize, oh, that city we're sent to go to, it's on fire or something. Mm. So that's it's just kind of a way that it's, you could use that as a framework for how to how to make your travel more interesting. Maybe not every time, because if, if every single journey is, okay, something good's going to happen, something bad's going to happen, then something good or bad is going right, to happen. Yeah, you, know. you don't want the exact same structure every time. <laughs> exactly. They'll exactly. catch on. But if, if you do have a, a, like a big journey ahead of your players, you might want to plan it out in the, in the same way. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really cool idea, especially, you know, they're, they're kind of different. Uh, I don't know if, how common this is or when people play, but there's like a pace of play mm-hmm. uh, in, in a zoomed out sense. So if, if everyone's just like, yeah, we're playing a game of D and D and, and it can just go on. Like I, I want this to play, go on for, for as long as it takes. Like I'm going to start low level and I want to get high level. And sure. um, then this is absolutely great. You know, do, do that and make the journey an event. And then it, it is less forgettable. It just, you know, that feels like m- much cooler than, than a roll on a table or, or a hand wave. Um, if you, if people really want to get to that fireworks factory, um, <laughs> right. that, that, you know, that can, that can be tricky, but you could also use that, you know, those, that setbacks can be feel really meaningful. If it means if you don't navigate this correctly, like things are going to be worse, like it's gonna be harder. Sure. And, and the, the secret to that too, is that doesn't have to be true. You know, like you could always have whatever it's going to be, be this harder thing. And you can use your method you're talking about. Like we didn't expect this to be quite as involved to mm-hmm. make the actual, the fireworks factory that they get to more dramatic. Sure. You know, like, and that, that could always be part of the plan. Like, I like that idea a lot, as long as everyone is down for it. Like if everyone just like, man, I cannot wait to get to the Lich King's keep. Like we have to go <laughs> to the Lich King's keep. Right. Then I can also see people kind of rankling about doing some business on the way. But if everyone's just there for like a long-term thing, I think this would be really fun. Okay. You know, to just, uh, yeah. And I, th- I think that that five room thing is cool too, because even though it is a formula, I think that uh, players would not pick that up. Like as long as you're using different elements in each one, I think yeah. it would take a long time to pick up. Yeah. So to to summarize, Damien, basically just uh, plan things out and make uh, make the the journey as authored as an adventure that, that the, the, as the destination, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Unless the players are in a rush to get to that's, get where they're going, that's true. That's true. Then you know, like yeah, if if the players want to get there, let them get there. Uh, our next question comes from Doctor Radiance, and this was through email. Uh, my players want to perform a ritual to summon an avatar of their deity. What components, arcane regents, incantations, blood sacrifices, etc., should this ritual require? Sure, um, Gary. Do you want to? 
<laughs> you want to watch yeah. this one first? Sure. Yeah, I think this is a cool question and a cool idea. Mm-hmm. Um, the specifics would depend on the deity. Definitely. You know, but I, I think that um, you know, again, depending on that pacing thing I mentioned before, like whether your player is going to be down for this, like this should be a session. Sure. This should be a quest. Sure. You know, um, you you need to uh, go to like the place where your deity's avatar last fell in battle and get some of the grave dirt, Ooh. and that's a, that's an adventure. Like you have to go. This should be far away and dangerous and hard. Yeah, uh, yeah, as I opposed agree. to a resource, I think. Yeah. Um, and the other, the alternative, if the player wants that pacing, I think you still need to have that sense of scale. It still has to seem like a big deal and not something you can do all the time. Um, make it a uh, every player has to sacrifice a hit point. Yes. You know, every Ooh, player yeah. has to, you know, something like that. Like you have to make it do a real sacrifice. Like the biggest thing that is independent of what kind of deity this is, is this has to be big. Yes, you know, it definitely. Has to feel like a lot. Yeah. I, I I had an idea for this um, where it's uh, it's uh, un- unforeseen consequences and uh, like not just in the ritual itself, but like summoning a de- like the avatar of a deity um, th- things that like could not necessarily take a toll on the characters directly, but on the world as a whole. Mm-hmm. So like you're you know, you 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 do this ritual, you summon this uh, this avatar of this deity and like the world as a whole changes. So like the the local population gets gets like a curse or something and it might not be a mm. huge deal but it's, it's it's a big enough thing and the characters you know the players might not be immediately aware of it but they'll it'll they'll find that this big thing that they did had big consequences that you know might not lead to like people dying or something like that but it it could it could change things change the way things are mm-hmm. like we, i think uh, gabe and i discussed this earlier and talked about like like a like a, a strange birthmark that started showing up on all like all the, mm. everybody who was born after that time. Yeah, and you know, even if it's just foreboding, even if that doesn't do something, if it just makes the players think they did, right? Sure. Yeah, something you know, or like what if um you know when you talk about unforeseen circumstances, what happens if you can't unsummon them? Sure, you know Ooh, what happens yeah. if if they just they hang around and that starts affecting whatever the sphere of that deity is. <laughs> they're just a you know, really they're, they're, an... the, the avatar takes on consciousness and doesn't want to go back. Right, they're just like a it's really like annoying deity, and they follow the players around and just <laughs> they're they like it it takes all of the spotlight and stuff. And yeah, yeah, it joins the party. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you have an avatar and it has all this power and it joins the party, but it's never helpful or something. It's, it's like the genie from uh, from the Aladdin movies, where like they free yeah. the, they free the genie. <laughs> He is now a freed genie. He still has the powers of a genie, but he doesn't do anything. Yeah. Like, he never really helps them. He just goofs off. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty good. Um, I would say, in general, it, it, like you were saying, Gary, it does depend a lot on the on the, the deity in question. Um, I would say that if the deity, let's say the deity is, I don't know, the god of fire or something like that, or, or like fire is part of his portfolio, then I would say maybe have one of the rituals is like the heart of an elder fire elemental or something like that. Mm. One idea might even be that you have to sacrifice, like the the high priest of that deity has to like sacrifice part of themselves. Maybe like they have to give up a hand or something mm-hmm. in order yeah. to, uh, to do it. I was even thinking kind of along the same lines, what if the question were instead, uh, my players want to kill a deity, what should this require? We've talked on a previous episode about I don't feel that fighting a deity or really into physically interacting with a deity should be mechanical. It should all be like something that happens in the story. So if if I was going to let players kill a deity, it would require some sort of a powerful ritual that would then make the deity mortal and then they could, I don't know, do something. So in a, in a similar type of thing, I was trying to think of like what sort of 
what sort of, of components would that sort of a ritual entail as well? And I think it would kind of be similar. Yeah. Because similar to summoning an avatar of, of a deity, you are kind of bestowing mortality or something onto onto a deity as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the important part is not to treat it like old D&D did, where it's 5,000 GP worth of crushed diamonds. Right, right. And you just go buy it. Yeah. <laughs> like if you need that heart, like, you can't buy it. You sure. know, it, it needs to be something that is just not a mercantile thing. Like, costing a resource uh is is valid but it just has to be something more interesting than treasure yeah you know um you know and and i i like that uh, i like that idea a lot of uh it tying the summoning with the, the killing because you can you know just depending on the deity there's a lot of different like any sphere of influence suggests like something cool you could do yeah you know that that is narrative or you know if not mechanical like a fight at the very least is something that requires a whole session of build-up okay and such before that fight you know, like, or, or several sessions, even if you're trying to kill a god. Like, that feels like the, the goal of a campaign to me. Sure. <laughs> sure. You know? Um, I think that uh, either either case, I think the ritual should probably involve the god's lore quite a bit. If the god has a, a legend about, like, maybe they were once mortal or, like, they, they had a longstanding uh, feud with this other god, maybe in order to summon the ritual or in order to summon the, the avatar, maybe you have to find like the physical remains of an avatar of that other deity of the one that it was feuding Mm. with and sacrifice that so that you're, you know, it's kind of like you're saying, well, we have a piece of your mortal enemy. We are giving it to you so that you will help us or something. Mm -hmm. So, so or or reanimate a piece of your mortal mortal enemy, like lure it back into battle, you know? Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It doesn't even necessarily have to be like, we're asking you to come down. It's more, we're forcing you to come down or we're tricking you to come down here or something Mm -hmm. like that. It could, yeah. like again, depending on the deity, but like if it's, yeah, if it is a, like a deity of war, you could like stage a battle or something to kind of like lure it into battle to be like, yeah, I'll I'll come down and be part (laughs) of this fight. This looks like fun. Yeah. Yeah, and th- that's a huge cost. You know, when you talk about unforeseen consequences, like if twere at me and I did something, you know, specifically with that battle DID, like I would make the players feel like absolute garbage about that. Yeah. <laughs> like they, they would be, you know, <laughs> they would go past the big pile of severed gangrenous limbs, you know, out- outside <laughs> sure. the battlefield after starting a fight to summon this deity that they needed. You know, I'd make that cost really real mm-hmm. right. for them. Yeah, they, like, they start a war. You, you, you get to raise people. an orphan. Like Ooh, congratulations, yeah, yeah. you know, like the, the, you you have a have a ward of the, of the state now. Oh yeah. goodness! So maybe in order to summon a deity, you have to find a an orphan of that, like somebody that that deity killed their parents or something <laughs> killed their parents, and then you have to find that orphan and then get the orphan to sacrifice their life. By orphan, you, know, you mean oh, first yeah. level ranger? Well, <laughs> they are interchangeably. Yes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they get a plus. They get killed kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. All right, our next question comes from Forgotten Madman. Uh, this was on Reddit, and they ask, "Should I feel bad for having to cancel on a group?" Yeah, um, you guys want one. You guys want to take this one? <laughs> um, like, def- definitely no. But if you do it all of the time, then there's probably an incompatibility at work yeah. that should be worked on. Exactly. Yeah. So a s- schedule or just expectation incompatibility. Like, this is fine as long as everyone's on the same page, but we're all adults, uh, presumably. And free time is precious and people get sick and people have families and jobs. So I think that you shouldn't feel too bad as long as you're not doing it all the time. Absolutely. I I feel like if somebody's asking this question, they shouldn't feel bad because they're, I mean, like you're aware of the problem. You're going to do something about it. You know, like if if you're somebody who just 
flakes off and doesn't show up and shows up when they want to and stuff like that. Like, yeah, probably should feel bad about that, but they're probably not going to. Right. But if you're asking this question, then I don't think you should feel bad because you're already aware that, you know, there could be an issue and you're you're going to do what you can to kind of fix it, whether it is changing your schedule or maybe maybe just quitting. The, maybe just quitting the group because, you know, it's not a fit. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I always always feel like life comes first. You know, I think that's probably a pretty a pretty common uh, pretty common uh, uh, understanding, but I I'm in the fifth edition Facebook group, and there was somebody that posted on there not too long ago saying like you know hey I I was DMing this group and I had a whole bunch of things come up in my life, so I I told everybody I'm postponing the game you know indefinitely until things clear up, and then after a few weeks one of their players uh, messaged them and was like hey um, I don't like that you're you're basically wasting my time and I'm gonna go find a new game because I want to be able to play the game, and it's like. Well, then, then do it. I mean, well, that's, yeah. that's not, that's why he told you <laughs> exactly. That's, that's not, this. Yeah. it's not the DM's problem. If, if they can't, if, if they can't make it to the game, it's not their responsibility to, to forego their, their life in order to keep yeah. the game going for you. You know what I mean? That's why he said indefinitely so that you can go and make other plans. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Most of your responsibility is just to communicate well. Yes, yeah. absolutely. You know, just, uh, you know, and, and like any relationship, and this is true of, of, uh, business or romantic or friendships or game groups or anything. Um, it's not about one person being right or wrong. It's almost always about an incompatibility and expectation thing. Yeah. Yep. You know, so if, if uh, you know, we, ha- if I have a group, I really want to play D and D every single week, no matter what, then I need to be in a group that, uh, that does that. Yeah. You know? Um, and, and if not, that's okay. Uh, you know, I, if, if, if I'm, if somebody specifically who I want to play with is not that way and they need to cancel, one out of every four sessions, uh, you know, uh, one out of every five sessions, like that's, then that's not the right person. I should find somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I would just encourage you to, if you are going to, if you do feel like you're going to have to cancel, even like, e- even if it is going to be a regular thing, um, I would say, of course, communicate to everybody, tell them I'm probably not gonna be able to make it every time. And if you, if you do want to still be a part of the group, at least let them know, Hey, I am perfectly fine with you guys playing without me. Because whether that is, you know, they might, they'll probably do that anyway, sure. but just making it clear that I, I am not expecting you to wait for me yeah. would probably, you know, maybe put, put somebody's mind at ease just in case. Couldn't hurt to say it whether, whether you need to or not. Yeah. And if you're a player, don't get attached to your character just in case something happens when <laughs> right. you're not there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no. We've had a, a couple, a couple stories, one from me and one from a, a listener about a, a, uh, a character that was, the player was not present and then the DM did did some some unsavory things with that character while they were while they were gone. Mm. So, so yeah. In general, uh, no, you should not feel bad unless it happens a lot. And in which case, yep. you know, reevaluate whether 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 you should be uh, coming at all. I guess or with that specific group. Well, right, right. Yeah, you know, like you can find a group that is as casual as you want to be. Sure, or vice versa. Well, I think I think that'll do it for questions for today. But before we close out. Let's take a deep breath, let's relax, and let's toss another log onto the funeral pyre. So, Gary, you had a story for us today, is that correct? I do, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I've got I've got my most uh, memorable character death awesome. uh, queued up. Um, it, is, it is in uh, the game of Iron Kingdoms, uh, okay. which is, is a fairly lethal game. Um, and it is the first time we played it, uh, I was playing a priest character, a priest investigator. The idea being that he used to be a, a criminal and, uh, mm. it turned to, uh, to, to the cloth, 
uh, but still had all these shady underworld connections. Um, his name was uh, Father Deacon, which I didn't. I just liked the name Deacon. I didn't realize that was like somebody being named like lawyer, dentist, right. you know, <laughs> like uh, you know Captain Barber, yeah. right? Um, uh, so uh, that character, uh, you know, and he made it to the end, and we were at the climactic. You know, there was a uh, somebody who was trying to resurrect an old god uh, who was part of this this royal family. There's this all this politics, this sibling rivalry. They uh, they finally we got to the climactic encounter. And uh, they had raised an army of the undead that was storming the city, you know. So we were we were going from portion of the city that was in, in panic, you know, from portion to portion trying to fight back uh, this this necromancer. And we we're on a bridge, and uh, another character. Uh, there was like a side story. That was a long campaign, and we had a side story with these side characters uh, that we had done. And uh, my character had a friend from back in the day when he was a criminal who helped get him out of it. Who was a, a sniper in the war. And, uh, and and they had met. So I played as a side character I had. Um, but because it was the end of the, the campaign, all of the allies, you know, were on, were on our side. Um, that side character joined us for this climactic encounter. Uh, They're controlled by the uh, the GM mm-hmm. and uh, was firing into the, the battle with the, uh, the gigantic, you know, pile of skeletons and, and bones and tombstones and such. This golem that we were fighting. And uh, one-shotted my main character. <laughs> Uh, shot him in the head on oh accident. My, oh, oh my goodness! Uh, firing into melee, so exploded his head like a melon. Uh, <laughs> moments before the end of the campaign, through friendly fire. Oh my that's, gosh, that's uh, horrifying. <laughs> it was. Uh, it is a, a very mechanical game, so it's all you know, all rolls on the table. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had played the the style of the game had been you know we just play by the rules there's not a gm fiat at all sure so it just kind of had a stand and it was the most it was like the least dramatic ending (laughs) that could happen of this this redemption arc that i had of like him redeeming himself and 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 becoming a good person and dealing with these bits of his past and then immediately the person who set him on that path accidentally uh (laughs) shot him in the head with a uh, sniper rifle like an old time you know steampunk sniper rifle oh man so <laughs> so yep, r.i.p yeah uh so i'm sorry what was that what was that character's name uh father deacon oh right oh, father, father deacon, deacon. Yeah. all right yeah. lawyer dentist so. okay yeah. <laughs> well let's raise a glass in memory of father deacon who uh suffered some friendly fire clink <laughs> uh, all right well before we uh before we finish out gary would you like to once again tell our listeners about your shows and where they can find you yeah, um, so I'm uh, a podcaster on the DuckFeed.tv network of podcasts, primarily about video games. Uh, the uh, flagship one is called Watch Out for Fireballs. Give that a shot. And we also have a thing called Monster My Podcast, which is tabletop gaming related, where we go through different monsters manuals. Um, you can find us at DuckFeed.tv and at Patreon.com slash DuckFeedTV. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Gary Buh, G-A-R-Y-B-U-H. And you can find, uh, I didn't mention this earlier, I write books. Um, you can find them at PowerWorlds.com. And the second atomic will be out um, very shortly. So uh, the next couple of weeks. So my second book is coming out uh, very soon. Awesome. Awesome. There. Yeah. I, I have a copy of, um, of, uh, souls of darkness. And, mm-hmm. uh, I think, I think that's a, it's a great little book. It's a great, uh, and oh, I, thanks. oh my goodness. I love the website for that, the power world. Oh yeah. Com. Yeah. That's I'm working on the, uh, the atomic part of it. I want to make that as kind of a template. So when I do, if I do more of these, mm-hmm. uh, I can, I can make them all in that same kind of style. So sure. All right. To submit questions for us to discuss, items for the Dragon's Horde, or stories for the Funeral Pyre, please email us at interpartyconflict at gmail.com. 
For show notes, a running list of questions asked, and important links, go to interpartyconflict.com. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash interpartyconflict, or our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash interpartyconflict, where I post weekly discussion questions for you. We're also on Twitter, at inpartyconflict. Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, YouTube, anywhere you download podcasts. Please rate, review, subscribe, or just tell a friend. We recently started a Patreon, so check out the rewards at patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. There's a few different tiers, so anything you can spare, even a dollar a month, would go towards making the show better, and you'll get bonus content for it. Jeff, you want to tell us about FriendQuest? FriendQuest is our YouTube channel where we play video games when we have time, which is usually never. <laughs> usually never, yeah. It's been, it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, and if you'd like to submit some of your childhood memories of going to the arcade, either write them to us in an email or record it yourself and send it to arcadememoriespodcast at gmail.com. Also, head over to bit.ly slash interpartyconflict to take a short survey about our show, what you like, what you don't like, etc. And just for taking it, you'll get two free printable board games courtesy of Mary and Tom over at hollandspiel.com. And our music is made by Boxcat Games from Nameless the Hackers RPG. So, Jeff, until next time... Gabe, there's a monster in this podcast! Hey guys, Gabe here. Um, this episode ended up being just a little bit shorter than I was expecting, so I decided to slap at the end the recording of Jeff and myself opening the gift box from Adventures in Aurelia. So it'll be right here. It's about twelve minutes long. So enjoy. <clears throat> um, so I don't, I don't know if if this is going to be part of a normal episode or not. So I don't know if I should like lead us into this or sure. I, I, I guess so. Like, it's, okay. yeah, just kind of introduce what it is. I okay. guess. All right, so um, I recently won a drawing, Ooh. Adventures in Aurelia, which is a podcast that uh, I listen to fairly regularly. Usually, I don't I don't get to their episodes for a few days after they come out, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, I listen to their podcast all the time. And they had a drawing. If you if you wrote them a review, either on iTunes or Stitcher or something like that, then you got entered into this drawing, and I won. Cool. So Damien, the host of that, he did. He did tell me what was going to be in this package, but I don't recall what that was. <laughs> but I thought we could record this and then put it on our podcast. So Gabe, I've, I've got this package. Gabe, is this an audio-only unboxing it, video? It is, but <laughs> but I will do my best to describe what is happening. Okay. That, whoops, I just dropped uh, my... He, he dropped the knife. All right, I'll, 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 I'll sort of describe stuff. You, as you well. know what they say, never catch a dropped knife. Never. Oh, sure. Like right. if you drop a knife, do not try to catch it. Just let it let it Just fall. Let it fall. Okay. Um, yeah. If you want to give like <laughs> golf commentary, cut, or cut I would say actually Ninja Warrior commentary because Ninja Warrior commentary is so much more energetic. <laughs> <laughs> you can have somebody come in, somebody come in from out, uh, you know, from outside, and, or no, I'm thinking of Iron Chef. I'm sorry. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> where where they have like the guys that like chime in every now and then. Yeah. Game, yeah. cut away from yourself. Jeez. I actually, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, this thing is not sharp in the least. Oh, well, yeah. But, but still, uh, you make a good point. I'm sure it would still would still hurt. I, I yell at Gabe when I uh, when I, I I know I constantly cut towards <laughs> myself at work when I'm opening boxes. Yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, I, you know, I just I worry about Gabe more than I worry about myself. <laughs> so, well, I worry about Gabe more than I worry about myself, too. Oh, jeez. <laughs> 
So yeah, he's he is almost through the tape. We ah, there it goes. Okay, he's got okay. It. I've got this box. My my wife was she's been staring at this box ever since it arrived a few days ago, and she's been well because she to open it. She got a lot of like packages in the mail and stuff too. So she's just I think yeah, she's just I, in the mood. I had to warn her. I was like, if you get a, if the package comes from me and it's from a person and not from like Amazon, don't open it because I wanted to save it for this. Okay, so I'm opening she, this box. She told me she wanted to open it and then just wouldn't tell you what's in it, so you could still. <laughs> be surprised yeah yeah that's that's a possibility okay uh there's some crumpled up paper in here and oh. there is a card it looks like Ooh, it's got a nice uh nice little logo on there okay studio ink it all says right. all right so he's opening up the he's opening up the card it is noteworthy that i'm not using the letter opener in order to open this <laughs> this envelope the, yeah the letter opener that you use to open the box yes. which he says is very terrible all right inside the car is that inside the car what there's a car in there <laughs> <laughs> a new car. Woo. Uh, there's a card. It says, hi, you're amazing. It's oh. yellow. Okay. Well, I mean, I mean, it's yellow, but go ahead. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and I'm opening it up and it says, Gabe. And it's a bunch of really personal information we'll have to bleep out. Hold on. <laughs> Gabe, your social security number is. <laughs> no, it says, Gabe, your support means more to us than you could know. Thank you so much. Please enjoy these goodies we gathered for you. Remember, adventure awaits. Go and find it. Ooh. That's a good. That's a good tagline. Sincerely, yeah. uh, the the Adventures in Aurelia family: Caitlin, Chantel, Chris, Krista, and Damien. Wait, are you trying to say something about my, about my taglines or my my send off? So is, uh, moving was on. That, was that a shot at, at me? <laughs> it was okay. not. I hope I I, get, <laughs> I I goof around with you a lot about that. I hope you realize no, that I'm I, not actually. I know. I know. Criticizing you because I'm the same way with my like uh, uh, Dragon's Horde intro. Sure. Yeah. No. No. So. We, we we have good senses of humor. It's fine. Okay. Everything's good. 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 Um, all right. So I'm uh, going through this, moving all this crumpled uh, paper out of the uh, way. Packaging. It looks like it's a whole bunch of stickers. It's to protect the integrity of stickers, apparently. It is, yes. <laughs> these are stickers. Right? Oh. Yes, yes, these are stickers. Oh, cool. Um, it's a bunch of stickers. All right. There are some characters here. There, I I think these might be characters from Adventures in Aurelia. Okay. I think. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be embarrassed if it's not. These are just <laughs> generic pictures. Here. But here you go. I'm going to take a quick look here. Okay. Yeah, I would imagine. So this this definitely seems like a... Uh, I'm, not, I'm not as familiar with, with them as you are, but... Yeah, and I, I'm trying to, I don't really know how I picture the characters. Right, yeah, that's thing. true. Like, okay, because it's, you know, it's usually you get a description right off the, like, at the front of the the of the show, and then, like, you know, it's it's like when you're listening to, like, an audio book or something, and, like, yeah. they, they describe a character in, like, the first chapter of the first book, and then you're five books in, and you have a mental image of them. Right. And then it mentions something about them. They're like, wait, what? They have what color, color hair? <laughs> right, right. You know, so. Or you go to see the movie, and then one of the characters who was a normal person in the book is a giant robotic ogre in the movie. <laughs> Ready Player One. <laughs> Excuse me, I've got this cough. So, yeah. Now, these, yeah, these are really cute little, uh, little they're cute little cartoon uh and then um, at the stickers. bottom, at the bottom, there's a D20 that is a natural one <laughs> and then a D20 that's a natural 20. Wait, are these stickers or are, yeah, these are stickers. Yeah, okay. yeah. I thought they might've been uh, temporary tattoos. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. But, no, uh, I'm pretty sure these are, these are stickers. They look really nice though. Yeah. But yeah, there's, there's a few characters. There's a little dragon. There's a little beholder. Mm-hmm. The beholder is pretty adorable. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Uh, yeah. So there's those. Um, there are a few things that are wrapped up in blue paper. Mm-hmm. Combine that with the yellow from the card and you got green. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's and in here, ba bam, a set of dice. Nice, because you 
I mean, I, I do have lots of dice, but I can always use more. I right. especially like having full sets of dice. That's true. That's true. You do have, you just have this big bin of a bunch of different dice. And yes. so having like an actual like set, like this is a, this is an actual like set from what Chessex? From Chessex, yeah. yeah. And those are, they are black and gold, Ooh. which is a very cool combination. Yeah, that's very nice. I remember when I was in grade school, I had a friend that that was, that was his favorite, co- I guess, color. If he could combine two, anytime something he had like color something he would color it black, black and gold. gold yeah so oh, i think yeah. i think the the gold ranger and power rangers was probably his favorite <laughs> gold ranger the gold ranger was black and was gold. there a gold ranger for a very short period of time i feel like because i'm thinking of the only ranger i can remember having gold on him was when they moved from the green ranger to the white ranger and he had like a he had a lot more gold on him yeah both the green and white ranger had some gold motif to them but there was a point where there was this mysterious gold ranger that showed up that okay. like for a little while, it was like, ooh, who's the gold ranger? Kind of mirroring the who's the white ranger thing. Sure. But then it ended up being just some alien guy from another planet. Yeah. And he, like, would split into three people or something when uh-huh. he wasn't in his suit, I think. And then there was a point where his power was, like, being drained. So he was going to give the gold ranger powers to someone else. Mm. And uh, David Yost, who played Billy was still on the show at this point. He was the only person who had been on the show for like since the beginning. <laughs> sure. And there was, because the whole time, because he wasn't a Power Ranger anymore, he would just like hung out at the command center to help out. Right, so there was yeah. this big moment where they were like, oh, he's going to give the power to Billy. He's going to give the power to Billy. And then he tried to give the power to Billy. And then for some reason it didn't work. Huh. So Billy didn't get to be the Gold Ranger. Oh. And then apparently the... Uh, not the cast, but like the the executives were apparently made some very homophobic remarks towards him. So he walked off the set and never came back. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was about to say, like, I thought, yeah, I thought there was, I thought he left on really bad terms or something. Yeah, like that. from from what I've, from what is my understanding. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, um, we have another another little uh, dice box here, but inside is not dice. Ooh. It is a miniature. Oh, it's actually a really nice miniature, and it looks like it's been personally painted. So, like, it what? is not a. Uh, it's not like a pre-painted. Uh, Wizards of the Coast mini. Oh, does that does that look look correct to you? Let me see. Uh, you mind if I open this? Yeah, go for it. It's, it's like... It is a it's a bearded dude, and he's got a sword in one hand <laughs> pointed downward. Dude. He's got a big coat. I love that coat. I wonder again if this is one of the characters, and I'm just, we're just not recognizing. That would him. that would be embarrassing. <laughs> so again, sorry, but yeah. uh, this is yeah. This, this is like hand painted. That's really good. I like it. it. Just occurred to me if these are characters, if the stickers, if they are characters from Adventures in Aurelia, I don't think. They they definitely are not characters from their first campaign because they just started their second second campaign and in the first campaign like uh, one of the characters was like a lizard folk another character was a tabaxi and I'm not seeing a lizard folk or tabaxi on here can't really tell if something's a, I mean a, a half orc kind of but I, I'm not really seeing a male half orc either so these might be the characters from the Aurelian epic which is the uh, the second campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm thinking this might have been uh, hand painted. I'm not 100 percent sure because it's a it's a Reaper miniature, which okay. I think the Reaper ones. I don't think the I don't think any of them come painted. Yeah. So. What? Well, if it was hand painted, it looks very nice. Yeah, very I'll, nice. I'll uh, have to get some some good photos of that. Uh, I'm not extremely jealous because I'm not also trying to be get into model pa- <laughs> miniature <laughs> sure, painting. Sure. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and open up. There's one more little uh, little blue wrapped package here. Does not feel like a dice box. However, there is. Ooh, okay. It is some magnets, like possibly refrigerator magnets, possibly uh, just, just magnets, magnets. But <laughs> they have the Adventures in Aurelia logo uh-huh. on a few. Oops, Uh-oh. on a few of them. Drop one back in the box here. Um, 
yeah, there's three different Adventures in Aurelia logos, and then one of them is a D20. And, oh. of course, it is 20 side up. Sure. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. Cool. Yeah. It's, it's I'll a, to find, a, find a cool way to use those. A fridge magnet. I, they could be used as counters as well. They keep, they keep sticking to each other because they're all magnets. You know, uh, as magnets are, as magnets are wont to do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, those are really nice, actually. Yeah. Uh, all right, and then under so under all of the packing, there is one more thing, and it is an Adventures in Aurelia mouse pad. Oh, nice. Yes. So thank you so much. Uh, it appears that that is that is all that is in the box. This is all really really cool. Now now you definitely should use that mouse pad on your on your desk here but well, <laughs> i i will point out that gabe does not use a normal uh, uh optical mouse correct uh, i i use a mouse that has a track ball on the top yeah. so I, I move my thumb around to, yeah. to move it remember remember the when mice had balls at the bottom of them yeah and you had to yeah. roll them around and then and then like it would get all like dusty and you'd have to like open it up and clean it off i mean to be fair my my mouse does get dusty too but it's like wedged in around the the track ball so i have to like periodically Stick something in there, get the trackball out, and then clean out all the, the all the gunk that's gotten off my hands over the months. Um, so people with false eyes have to do. Yeah, that's that's horrifying. <laughs> but I'm, I'm pretty sure you're you're correct. Uh, yeah. So I um, I won't necessarily use this for what it is necessary for, mm-hmm. but hey, I'll have it on my desk. I'll have uh, the Adventures in Aurelia yeah. logo uh, wherever whenever I use my computer. Awesome. So thank you so much, everybody. And uh, yeah, you guys are great. Keep up the great podcast, and I'm uh, I'm I'm happy that uh, I I left. A, I was gonna say I'm happy I left a review. I don't know. <laughs> I I think you guys are are very much deserving of of any success that you guys have or will get in the future. So thank you so much, and I hope you guys have a great day. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll record some sort of a better outro for this part. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so thank thank you so much, uh, Damien and the gang. <laughs>